The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. I'm Chris Yao. Maurice Patton joins me as always. Mo, good Monday morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you? Man, I am doing fantastic. It's uh, it's always good to be back on Monday mornings because we get to talk a little high school football and weekend action. But instead of talking first about what happened on Friday, we're going to talk about what's going to happen in a couple of Fridays because we had some semi-breaking news over the weekend where a couple of local teams who have missed some games due to COVID-19 have decided to get on the field and take on each other. Spring Hill and Richland will play October 9th, Friday night, on fall break. So, a an interesting matchup, to say the least. It's an unusual one. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've, I've not looked. You probably did. You did that article. Um, I'm not sure if they've ever played before. You know, I don't know if they've ever played before or not. That's a really good – you know, well, I don't know. With Spring Hill ha- having been Class A for a very long time, uh, it's – I guess it's possible they they could have. We can find out. I can tell you in about five seconds, uh, actually. So, there's that. Um, but, yeah, you know, currently with Spring Hill being Class 4A and Richland obviously being Class 1A um, – you know, it's just it's not something that you would normally see. The last time these two teams played was in nineteen ninety four. And that might have been the last time Spring Hill was single A. The first time they ever played was in nineteen eighty two when Richland won the walking horse bowl. Yeah, Richland Richland has not well, Richland has not existed really all that long but they hadn't played football all that long relatively speaking so um they played in the 1982 walking horse bowl that's interesting that is back when we used to have bowls before um before you started taking you know half the classification to to the playoffs and (laughs) um it's but we won't go there Anyway, um, as you said, this is an interesting matchup, like you said, with um, with Richland being 1A and, and Spring Hill being 4A and them both being Raiders. So that will provide challenges for whoever winds up covering this game because you can't refer to the Raiders. Right. That's always – that's always a struggle. Yeah. I, like I said, there will, be, there will be no parlay on October 9th. Yeah, but at least the Raiders will win. But the Raiders will win, no yeah. doubt. You know, that's a when I when I saw the game, I thought this is this is probably a good game for a team like Richland, who is having you know they they still have Huntland on the schedule, they've got some tough games coming up, and this is just a game where they'll get to, a chance to play some a bigger school with some bigger kids and little little athleticism, and it, it just it only helps them to get better. Yeah, I think it's definitely a game that. Um that helps Richland 
possibly more than it helps Spring Hill, actually, because after that October 9th game, which isn't that far off, it's a week from Friday. Yeah, it's just two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, but after that, Spring Hill finishes up with a pair of region games. Marshall County is one of them. Marshall County at home on the 16th. They go to BGA, and then they finish up at home against Lawrence County on the 30th. So that's their final three games after that Richland game, as currently scheduled, I might add. Right. Uh, Meanwhile, like you said, Richland finishes up with three straight region games at home against Cornersville, at Moore County, and at home against Huntland. So all three of those are very – I mean, those are potential and playoff teams. So Richland is going to need to prepare for that. And that's the thing is you you could say, well, you know, an off week before having to play those three teams would probably not be a bad thing. But you've already had two off weeks. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Nick Patterson is looking for any more rest for his team at this point. I think he wants to get those guys on the field and and try to get them into some kind of a rhythm. You know, in, into a weekly. This is what we do. Our, yeah, routine is very important, especially in high school football. And and speaking of rest, that Richland team was coming off of a two week COVID. Um, protocol on friday night Mm -hmm. when they took on fayetteville i was at that game and it really didn't feel like they had a lot of rust i think the rest probably did help them in some ways because the first drive of the game they first first of all got a, a really good um kick return but drove down to the 24 of fayetteville but just couldn't couldn't finish the drive and that's you know that it is what it is they they turned the ball over on downs and i think they gave turn it over out the 31 first play of the game they get a quarterback sack 10 yard loss very next play kj jackson hit in the backfield another seven yard loss it's you're, you're turning around it's third and 18 and richland's defense is looking really good get pressure on the quarterback on third down again, but he just chunks it up to, of course, you know, Isaiah Thomason, mm-hmm. who's about 6'5", and he just went and got it and took it to the house for 82 yards, and that kind of deflated Richland. But that being said, if that doesn't happen, you know, that emotion continues to build. I think the deflation from that 82-yard touchdown on third and 18 kind of hurt. But – um you know, it's you still don't want too much rest, but I right. do think it. I, I don't think it hurt Richland as much as we'd anticipated. You know, with the rust factor, I don't think there was much there. Yeah, you know, Fayetteville is number five in the state for a reason. Absolutely, and and I, what jumped out at me was I saw that the score was twenty to six at the half, mm-hmm. then it was twenty to six at the end. Exactly. So I mean, very good job by Richland. Richland played toe to toe with them in the second half, and it sounds like, like you said, the defense played well early. Just big plays, and yeah. you can't account for those. No, and like I mean, that particular play in in itself was just it, it was tough uh, for that defense. Now, Graham Pace, who has been as good as anyone in Southern Middle Tennessee at the running back position. He he lines up in Wildcat a lot for Fayetteville. And 
when he's in Wildcat, he's probably going to keep it, and it's almost hard to stop him even when you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough sometimes when you've got a an elusive guy like that who can make the big play, taking that direct snap, and and like you said, even when they know it's coming, that's only half the battle. Well, yeah, because you, I mean, you still have to account for KJ Jackson, who is very quick. The the biggest problem Richland had on Friday night was they just couldn't they could never get to the edge. The game plan Nick Patterson told me was to run between the tackles, and they did that well for the most part. It you know at some point though, those big defensive tackles for for Fayetteville were able to pinch and get you know get some penetration, and unfortunately there was there was no chance that Richland was going to get the edge because those those defensive ends over there and outside linebackers are super quick. I was really shocked. You know, we talked about Sam Edwards, the junior quarterback. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to see that he carried 10 times for three yards. Well, the vast majority of that was being sacked or potential. I guess some parts of it were him trying, you know, him trying to get to the edge and just not being able to do so mm-hmm. on quarterback draws and quarterback sweeps right. and that sort of thing. But I, he, I, I he, just would have expected him to have been a little bit more productive in the run game. Yeah, I, I don't think – he had some, some solid runs, mm-hmm. but I think the total yards gets a little skewed skewed because of having to to throw at some points and that okay. sort of thing. All right. Um, by the way, we, we have a story on this Spring Hill-Richland game that is set for October 9th on the website, sm-tnsports.com, so um, be sure and go check that out. Absolutely. And, of course, all of Friday night's games are on there as well as uh, some photo galleries, and you can check that out. If you, if you just look in the Week 6 Scores, Week 7 Schedule story that's on the front page, you can link to all of Friday night's games. And the photo galleries. And the photo galleries, all in one place. It does, You don't have to worry about trying to find it or anything like that. You can get them all in that particular story. So Because we want to be reader-friendly. As much as possible. Um, <laughs> and we, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, it, it really exciting on Friday night to just continue bringing you guys the most comprehensive coverage of Southern Middle Tennessee sports because we're up until 3 in the morning. <sighs> Every Friday. <laughs> Saturday mornings are rough because we, we stay up until about 2.33 every Friday morning to make sure that this, this gets to you. So when 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 I said Friday morning, let's go take a nap. That's exactly what I did Friday. I went home and I slept for about two and a half hours because I knew we were going to be up. It was a long schedule. We had a lot of games to handle, mm-hmm. and and I know nobody wants to hear about the labor pains. They just want to see the baby. But yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. Oh, there's no question. It it gets a little you know, it, it gets a little tough sometimes because you're like, all right, so. Where did we get stats from? Where where did we get pictures from? How do we put this together? You know, who do we call and get some information <laughs> on how this particular thing happened right. based on what, you know, it just every little thing can be crazy. So uh, it's, again, a lot of fun and we love now, it. Yeah, we not that we're do- complaining. It, it just, it's, it's, it's not always as easy as you'd like it to be. That's right. All right, guys, it is time for our first break of the week. When we come back, we're going to talk about Columbia Central's big win over Nolansville, Independence, 
They got to win at Henderson or at home against Hendersonville, and probably the most exciting game of the week, that Zion Christian Collinwood game. We'll be right back here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. And welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mo, we had a great night on Friday. Just covering high school football is a blast. You know who else had a great night? <laughs> the Columbia Central Lions. They get a 28-14 win over Nolensville. And anytime you get a win over a Williamson County team, it's it's pretty good win. Uh, most of them are pretty darn good. Yeah, and and this Nolansville team is no exception. Again, this is a team that advanced to the state semifinals a year ago and defeated Columbia Central twenty eight nothing in Nolansville last year. So, um, nice little bit of get back there. But but more importantly, it it looks as if the Lions may have found something in the run game with a little um. Yeah, for lack of a better phrase, a little thunder and lightning combo there with um with Christian Biggers and Justin Buckman. Buckman had a big game in that Lincoln County game, twelve carries, ninety three yards, two touchdowns. Well, um not as productive Maybe but yardage still had wise, two, anyway. Yeah, not yardage wise, only finished with um only finished with forty nine yards on ten carries. But um Christian Biggers, ten carries for sixty five yards. The two of them combined for three touchdowns, and um, Antoine Moore getting in the act as well. So, um, big um, big game on the ground for for Columbia Central, and apparently, kind of a game changer for the Knights. Three of their starting linebackers were down for for COVID related issues, so um, Central was able to take advantage. I mean. You're going to see that a lot over the course of the season, I think. I mean, teams are piecing it together. We we saw it on Saturday. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But, but I mean, you you got to play who's there. And, That's right. And it you you can't you can't feel too terribly bad about it that that somebody else wasn't at full strength because I mean it, it is what it is. And at and, some and point, in a couple you're of probably weeks, not it might be. be you. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So take them when they come. Yeah, you know, we knew this was going to be a crucial week for Columbia Central and their their confidence, despite even that information. You know, it it's starting to look like Columbia is the team we thought they could be going into the season, and it's because of that run game that we're talking about. We The identity of this Columbia Central team is definitely run the football. 
Yeah. Right. Be successful in the run game. If you can do that, then Columbia Central can be successful. So with Justin Buckman, with Christian Biggers, with the addition of Antoine Moore, like we talked about, that's a solid combination. And then you've got Brady McCandless, who is not just serviceable. I mean, he he plays well when he's asked to throw the ball. He doesn't make poor decisions very often. He completed 75-plus yeah, percent of his passes on Friday night, and he threw the ball eight 20 times yeah and i think i think that's something that you really have to be encouraged by because the accuracy there i think he was 15 of 19 or something like that now he did sustain an, a wrist injury um apparently x-rays were negative on that so he should be good to go at franklin county this week but like you said you know the accuracy and the decision making. I think he really took a step forward in the passing game on Friday night. That's got to be something that really pleased, I guess, is the right word, Jason Hoth and that offensive coaching staff there. Because I've said it all year, with the guys they've got in the passing game, they've got two really nice tight ends in in Blaine Davis and Jace Hoth. Um, Stephen Kennard can go to the house on anybody. Any play. And um, if you can get him over the top, um, I'm not sure. I think Buckman is kind of the X factor because he caught a few passes before he made the move to tailback for that Lincoln County game. And I think receiver is slot receiver is probably his natural position. But you got to find a way to get him the ball. But but again, the decision making. There's got to be some decision making behind 15 for 19. And and it sounds like to me, Brady McCandless turned a corner the other night. Yeah, I think you have to you have to think that anyway. And well done to the team for getting a twenty eight to fourteen win over Nolansville because that's I mean again it's important for confidence as you go forward and you're talking about you know you've got three big region games left. You've still got Franklin County. You've still got Shelbyville. And you've got got Paige. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're still in the hunt to host a playoff game because you're one and one in the region. And you, you know, this is it. It could could come down to, you know, the last couple of weeks of the season. And, and, you know, if you saw the shutout against Summit and you saw the tough loss down at Giles County, 42-13, you had to feel like this, this, Team and this season had a chance to go either way, really, and to come back with these two wins that they've come back with against Lincoln County and against um and against Nolansville this past week, I think has them in a good spot going to Franklin County this weekend. Now, you know they won their first two games against um Spring Hill and Dixon County. They lost mm-hmm. their next two games. Now they've won two. <laughs> so, I don't. I don't think that. Let's hope that trend doesn't continue. Franklin, exactly. Franklin County got a big win uh, on Friday night. I think it was like fifty-six to. I, I'm not sure. They scored a lot of points on Friday, but uh, I, th- both teams are coming in with a lot of confidence. So it should be a lot of fun. To we might have to talk to. We might have to get Will Rab on the show later we, this week to talk about that game. We It'll may have. To, we may have to do that. I, um, I heard him on. Um, the the scoreboard show Friday night and and he was talking about that that Franklin County win and apparently he and Justin Cunningham the the first year Rebels coach went to school together and so um, he might have a little insight 
into the the mindset of the the rebel coaching staff coming into this one it'd be good to have yeah all right the game you were at on friday night you got a chance to uh to see jackson campbell and that independence defense i've been talking about all year they get a 35 23 win over hendersonville and again jackson campbell doesn't disappoint no no um only threw for 180 yards. Oh, but, man. Yeah, but, you know, you, you saw it. Uh, he's he's in total control of that offense. And, and talking to Scott Blade after the game, he's not afraid to say they go as he goes. And, you know, I think he was 12 of 23. He was a little um, out of sorts early on, but he got it together in the passing game. Again, finished with 180 yards, two touchdowns. Rushed for 160 yards on 12 carries with two touchdowns. So he is um, he is as advertised. And I'm not sure if the Independence defense struggled against Hendersonville's offense because they had a big kid at fullback Brent Rowe who is somebody needs to get some eyes on this kid in terms of the next level because he can play somewhere. I think he finished with like 143 yards on 16 carries, caught a pass for a touchdown, and he's just he's just a bull. I mean, impressive looking young man, and and got a chance to talk to him after the game. Just as impressive as he was on the field. So, I think Hendersonville is going to do some damage when they get back into their region, which I think will make this win even bigger for Independence as the season goes. I don't think there's any question that Hendersonville is a good win, no matter what. But, of course, of course, Coach Blade was not terribly pleased with the defense after they went in um, 21-3 at the half for for Hendersonville to score three touchdowns there in the second half. Not not terribly excited. Pretty pretty Blade-ish. That being said, but, you know, and that is something that we've seen – I want to say Franklin last week since the Summit game, Franklin was the first team to score a touchdown on them in the first half. The only team since Summit to score a first-half touchdown against that defense. And it seems like the the defense gets a little lax in the second half maybe or or perhaps they're they're, they're getting some fatigue possibly. I'm not sure what the – because, again, the preseason workouts, you're still finding your legs and still getting acclimated to heat and 48-minute games. It can, be a, it can be a challenge in that second half, and especially against a team like Hendersonville who has a guy who can pound you. you. Exactly, exactly, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, and, and this year – you know, we talk about it. It's 2020. I, I think it's so strange from that standpoint that you didn't – and we keep coming back to it. It sounds like a broken record, but it's no less true. You didn't have seven-on-seven. Seven. You didn't have scrimmages. The first time you saw anybody was in your season opener. And so there's a lot of unknowns, and it's tough to know what the immediate impact of that was, what the long-term impact of that is going to be. And like you said, it may be showing up some in conditioning, and there's no real way to prepare for or get around that. I will say this. I am 
incredibly excited about our Thursday show when we get to break down this Independence Brentwood matchup that's coming on Friday. Because I really believe it's going to be one of the most exciting games of this season. And this Independence team, like I've been saying all year, it's the best overall Independence football team that I've seen since I've been here. And I've seen Independence beat Brentwood. Right. So this is going to be an exciting week. And And this Independence team is really good. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that game tomorrow tomorrow when we have Charles Pulliam of the Williamson Herald on to to talk a little Williamson County football as well. So, yeah, big week. Um, Looking forward to discussing that one among others, but that one is certainly on the radar. Brentwood's been ranked in the top ten by the Associated Mm -hmm. Press for most of the season, and I'm sure that will continue when it comes out later today. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, before we take a break, we'll talk about the probably the most exciting game of the week. Zion Christian down six points. Luke Perko throws a pass into the end zone, and Collinwood, unfortunately for the Eagles, able to knock it down, preserving a 32-26 win against Zion Christian. But... It just goes to show that, you know, this Zion Christian team is just as good as we expected. Very good team. Luke Perko continues to prove himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the area. Yeah, and the rest of the story on that, a pass interference call on the final play of regulation had preceded that play. So this was an untimed down here. Um First and goal from wherever they put the ball after a after a like um, four from the four, and so um, Collinwood putting it all on the line right there. Worst case scenario, hey, they have to snap it again. So uh, I kind of like that defensive philosophy right there, and apparently it played out for them. They they actually got the knockdown, the breakup in the end zone on that untimed down to to preserve that thirty two twenty six win. But like you said, um, again, speaking of broken records, we've talked about Zion Christian's depth issues, but Mm -hmm. the ones that they've got out there are are playing 48 minutes, literally, at times. And and Perko, again, um, throws for 215 yards in all four touchdowns, runs for another 91, and plays linebacker. So, you know, hats off to that kid. He's really leading that team. Being able to do that is special, by the way. I don't care. I don't care what level you're playing at. If you play 48 minutes of high-level high school football at any level, you've, you're have special. I would imagine he comes off on special teams. I'd like to think that they figure out some kind of way to, to get him a blow, but he's clearly not off the field a whole lot for this team. Yeah, and they've got a they've got an exciting game coming up this week too. They get to play Richland, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That is going to be fun to watch again um, with what Richland does offensively, and uh, they're really diverse mm-hmm. in their offensive approaches. Yeah, both uh, both teams. So I'm excited for that one as well. And again, um, Collinwood gets a 32-26 win over Zion Christian, but great showing from the Eagles as has been the case all season long, especially in their, their last three games with that three game win streak. Unfortunately that comes to an end, but still a lot of football to play the rest of the season. A lot of football to talk about on the other side of this break. We've got several more games that we want to get to. 
including Loretto, Summertown, the Pegasus Cup. Yes, sir. Mount Juliet, Spring Hill, and then Summit Northwest. We come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yow, joined by Maurice Patton, as always. Mo, down in Lawrence County, one of the biggest high school football matchups in our area. Big rivalry. A lot of fun every time these two get on the field. Loretto, Summertown, the Pegasus Cup. This time... It's going to stay in Loretto, where the Mustangs get a 12-7 win over Summertown on Friday. Hats off to the Mustangs. Really? I mean... I mean, seriously, hats off. No doubt. I mean, uh, absolutely. This this is a Summertown team that was ranked two weeks ago. They were mm-hmm. number nine in the state before that loss to Lewis County um, two weeks ago. And... They go into Loretto and they just never can get anything going offensively. Loretto leads at ten nothing at the half. Summertown threw a pass that was caught in the end zone, and the defense came up with the tackle in the end zone for a safety, and um, helps to this twelve seven victory. So, a big win for Loretto. I mean, this was a region game as well, so. Loretto gets to 1-1 one one in Region 5, 2A play. Summertown falls to 0-2, going to Forest this weekend, and, and that's that's going to be a huge matchup all of a sudden. I think it was huge before, but it's even bigger now with Summertown going in there at 0-2. It's pretty much a backs-to-the-wall backs type matchup for the Eagles. Yeah, I think that the biggest play of this game is the blocked punt. Just before halftime, uh, about two minutes and 45 seconds to go. You know, Summertown, when they punt, they kind of quick kick with Schaefer. They don't right. They don't line up in a punt Yeah, formation. they don't get in a deep punt formation. It's more of a short punt, pooch punt type right. formation. And I'm not sure if that's because they, they don't have somebody to long snap, which it can be an issue at, mm-hmm. you know, small small class football. Yeah. Um, but... Colton Schaefer kicks off his uh, ball, hits off his left foot. Next thing you know, um, Loretto defensive lineman Boone Glass is there to knock it down. And and special teams coaches that that's that nightmare sound that the thud, you know, yep. <laughs> that second thud. The first one is the foot. The second one isn't supposed to be there. And so when you hear that one, that's that's. Not nothing good comes out of that. Now, that being said, Summertown defense they 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 
force a fourth down. Uh, and unfortunately for the Eagles, uh, quarterback Carter Daniel hit Clint Seymour. 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 Hit Clint Seymour for a touchdown on fourth down. That makes it 10 to nothing just before halftime. Without that, it's a 3 nothing game. Summertown maybe scores in the fourth quarter. They're not trying to throw the ball at their goal line. And, I mean, obviously you that, can't. That sequence changes the complexion of the completely. ball game right there before halftime, without question. But, um, again, great performance by Loretto at home to, to retain, to get the Pegasus Cup back. Right. Which and keep summer, it in there in, in town in in a in a place of reverence i'm sure probably the front office because that's where i saw it when i was down at summertown a couple of years ago so it's probably there for anybody that happens to visit the school for something else it's right there you know that's but, definitely where i would keep it i mean yeah. it's a big game a lot of people you know you think about high school football rivalries you think about columbia central spring hill backyard ball you think summit independence those things there's a little bit of a difference when you're talking about super small schools well and and with the geography of lawrence county as you go down 43 from here it's summertown it's lawrenceburg and it's loretta and so they're on opposite ends of the county and and Obviously, a lot of community pride in both of those schools, both those programs. Summertown hasn't had football all that long. Loretto has. I remember covering a game down there in the um, early to mid-90s when Loretto had gone undefeated and Brentwood Academy came down there, and Mm. things predictably did not go well. But, I mean, again, two communities with a lot of pride in their athletic programs, whatever it is they're playing, and and I'm sure it was a packed house, yeah, or as as much pa- as, as packed be. as it can be under the circumstances. But uh, yeah, great ball game. I mean, one possession game. When you hold, you know, when you hold Summertown to 120 yards rushing, that's a pretty good day for your defense because you you're talking about Javen Edmiston, Colton Schaefer, and Anakin Johnson, really a three headed monster. And Anakin Johnson only had 11 yards on nine carries, and that that that's that's impressive in itself. Never really able to get it going. I mean, again, you you look at it. Schaefer threw for twenty four yards on five of eighteen. Mm. It's defensive performance by Loretto is is just short of fantastic. So, well done. Like I said, hats off to the Mustangs for doing a great job in that game, and they get a twelve to seven win over Summertown in the Pegasus Cup. So. You know, speaking of teams who had pretty good defensive performances, in in the in the reality of mm-hmm. high school football and Spring Hill and where where Spring Hill's program is versus where Mount Juliet's program is, for Spring Hill to go over to Mount Juliet and hold the Golden Bears to eighteen first half points and ten second half points, that's a pretty good day for them. Um, you know you. A little surprising, to be honest. Uh, I certainly expected this game to to have a little bit wider margin. And turnovers really kept Spring Hill from making this more of a game than it was. I, I think they turned it over the first three times they had it, and one of those was on a, a muff punt. So they um, – special teams and offensively, they did not do themselves any favors. They put – 
the defense in some tough positions, short fields and that kind of thing. And Mount Pleasant is a team that, as we talked last week, number seven in the state in Class 6A, playing at home, undefeated at 4-0 and coming in. They didn't need any help. Spring Hill helped them. And it, it's tough to win under those conditions. Yeah, this team, Mount Juliet, does not need any help at all, uh, especially number seven in Class 6A. Very, very good football team. This is a team that has essentially been among the class of their region for the last few years, and they're only getting better. This is a game that I, I, I fully expect, like we said, I expected this margin to be much much bigger than it really was. That being said, hats off to the Spring Hill defense because you can't be put in situations like they were be, like they were put in on Friday night and expect much more out of them. Yeah, and and I always wonder, and and I think I think coaches have to do some locker room coaching in these situations because when you say hats off to the defense. The offense put them in some bad spots, mm-hmm. and and I always wonder how do you not have that offense defense chirping at each other kind of thing? And well, in Spring Hill's case, a lot of them are playing both ways. It's kind of hard to chirp at yourself. At, at yourself, yeah. <laughs> but um, and that's another issue with Spring Hill, mm-hmm. like some of our other schools. This is Spring Hill is a four A school, but at right in that that mid tier range where you know it, you only have a certain number of athletes that can play at that particular level right so you have to use them in any way possible meaning Luca Boylan has to play linebacker <laughs> and, and, quarterback. and quarterback you know Landon Secrets and and um Dante Prowl have to play cornerback and whatever it is they're playing on offense, running back, running back, wing slot back, slot, yeah, you know, and and it's it's tough, and you know we've talked about conditioning, we've talked about depth and that kind of thing, and and I I don't know if it's necessarily showing up when you're turning it over on your first three offensive possessions, but it's not helping the situation late in the game. So again, Spring Hill's got some concerns offensively they've got to be able to sustain some drives they've got to be able to finish some drives with with some points in order to give themselves a chance and and in order to give that defense a chance and they've got a game coming up this weekend that is as close to must win as it's going to get for them for when when maplewood comes into town and it's homecoming for spring hill so, and Maplewood is coming off of a fifty-one to six loss to East Nashville in their opener Friday night. <laughs> their as, season as, opener in week it, six. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Metro Nashville finally got on the field this weekend, and um, everybody I think was happy to see that. We talked to Bernard Childress last Friday on the show and um, talked about the work that had gone into them finally getting football going at the high school level and. And so Maplewood gets to come down here, and Spring Hill gets a shot to to pick up a Region Four Four A victory after 
after following up at Mount Juliet this past weekend. You have to think uh, Maplewood is at least happy to be able to play Mm -hmm. this region game if we were in a situation where they were not going to be able to play and Spring Hill gets this win, that that means, you know, week 10 becomes basically a play-in game for the playoffs. Right. And Lawrence County got a COVID win mm-hmm. over this Maplewood team. I think they were scheduled to play like week two. So Spring Hill has to win on Friday night. And if they do... They have a chance to make the playoffs, and that's insane considering where this program has been the last couple of years. You know that Ben Martin has got to be motivating this team to find their identity. it's It's crisis mode almost, and we have to do everything we can to be successful this Friday night, no matter what. It really is crisis mode. Again, Spring Hill is now 0-5 on the season. They, Friday night's game was their first coming out of a two-week COVID pause. They had lost. Um, they were unable to play against Lincoln County or Tullahoma, which was a region game as well. So um, this is huge, and and I don't, I don't think it's overstating it to say that. No, I don't. I don't think so at all. Let's uh let's move on and because we are going to talk more about that game on Thursday, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the other team in Spring Hill had no issues on Friday night. None, no issues. Uh, the Summit goes up to Clarksville, where they take on Northwest, and after the first half, it was forty-two to nothing. I'm not sure. I think. I think Summit ran a grand total of 30-ish plays in the game. Um, <laughs> they, let's see. No, I'm sorry. They ran 27 total plays in the game. They ran 27 plays, and they scored 42 points. That's that's right. Well, they scored. They had an interception return for a touchdown and a punt return. So they scored in almost every facet possible. Yeah. Destin Raid runs for okay. Okay, they ran twenty-seven offensive plays and, and they scored, scored twenty-eight offensive points. That's correct. <laughs> it's still wild. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty productive. Yeah, and Brady Pierce got a rushing touchdown. That that just tells you how weird the game was in general. But a perfect game from their defense, giving up zero points. Second, you know, that second half, you're just kind of coasting. It's it's a uh, as our friend Jeremy Qualls would say, Popcorn City where you're sitting back, eating popcorn, watching the clock run because you're up by 35 points. <laughs> I can't believe we just mentioned Jeremy Qualls on this show. Uh, you know, I like his... I'll tell you, if there's anything that I can remember from my first couple of seasons here, it's that guy wearing his suit and his tennis shoes mm-hmm. On that WCS game game day show, it's really really cool. Well, and I guess he passed his fashion sense along he to um, to Darren Joins, who does the same thing. Hey, you know, if it ain't broke, gotta, don't fix it. That's right. You got to be cool. You know, you got <laughs> you got to got to show off the kicks with the right. I, I don't know. So I, I actually saw this on um, on social media the other day. What do you think about it? The the suit and the tennis shoe thing what's your thoughts on that i mean and again 
I don't mean this the that's, way it sounds. That's but okay. Your generation mm-hmm. is a lot different mm-hmm. than what somebody in my millennial or mm-hmm. that Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it go for you? It's not something I would do. Okay. I don't necessarily have an issue with it, but it's not it's not my look. I, I couldn't leave the house in in a suit or in a blazer and dress pants and tennis shoes. Just seems couldn't weird. do it. It's 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 odd looking to me, but I mean if that's what and you see it a lot on TV with these sports anchors oh, and yeah. that kind of thing hey, when they do full Cuba. body shots. Yeah. It's 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 bizarre to me, but you know, it ain't me. Yeah. <laughs> my my friend Cole Kublick, who is on the SEC network and that he he has what he calls cube kicks. Okay. He has he has more tennis shoes that he has tennis shoes that would fill up this room with no issues. And I guess when you got that many and you're gonna be on TV Might as well show Might them as off. well exactly. Exactly. So I'm I'm not necessarily mad at him. It's just not something I would do. So full disclosure, because I know my wife is listening and she's probably going to text me. Mm-mm. Just before COVID hit, I went and bought a new suit, and it was about the a little bit darker shade of blue than your shirt. It's a it kind of a not really a Steinmark going out of business shirt, by the way. <laughs> um, but I bought some those Nike the blue Nike cloth mm-hmm. tennis shoes that I've been wearing. Yeah, that's why I bought those shoes was to go with that suit. All dressed up and nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> bought all the. I've not worn that suit to this day. I have not worn it, and I bought it before Christmas. I don't even know why I have it. I have a suit though, just in case. Okay, so anybody that knows me knows that I'm not necessarily a small guy, so I don't feel bad asking you this. Can you still get in it? You know, I'm not sure because <laughs> here's the thing is. I was on keto when I bought it, and I bought it because my other suit pants didn't fit. Now, Sarah being pregnant, I'm putting on a little weight too, so it turns out that I may may or may not be able to get into it. I'm not sure uh, because I have gained 20 pounds since I bought that suit. I don't know. Pregnancy weight. Uh, it's uh what what do they call it um sympathy weight? sympathy yeah. it's it's that sympathy weight man it'll get you every single time you got to be careful wish i could blame mine on that <laughs> <laughs> well you know you know some people you know they, they they gain the sympathy weight and they're just like you know what i'm good <laughs> we're we're close are we gonna i was just making sure that sarah didn't text me and be like hey dude uh you bought tennis shoes for a suit so don't be Mm-mm. giving nobody any, any crap. <laughs> anyway, Summit 42, Northwest Zero. That's what we were talking about before. That is what we were talking about. All right, we got, we got, a, we got one more football game to talk about, but we're not going to do that until after the top of the hour. We're going to bring in the voice of the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders, as we do every week, technically. This is the second time. <laughs> <laughs> It's Chip Walters, and he'll be back on the airwaves here in Columbia, Tennessee. We'll talk about Middle Tennessee State's loss out at UTSA. UTSA. <laughs> and much more on in the 10 o'clock hour, including McEwen, Mount Pleasant, and, of course, our team, player, and scholar athletes of the week when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint.
The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. into the second hour of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is 10.03 on Monday morning. Hope you guys are out there having a great day here in Columbia, Tennessee. A little overcast. Called up our guest and asked him what he was doing. He said, waiting for the rain to get here. And I think that's uh, probably as accurate as anybody else. We've got Mr. Chip Walters on the line from the voice of the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders and Columbia Central graduate back here on the airwaves. WKOM 1017. Good morning. How's it going? I'm having a great day. I don't know. Maurice is um, he's feeling feeling a little blue. Well, you know, in our in my little world, being being blue is a good thing. Being blue is a good thing, but um <laughs> Being being blue on Friday night wasn't quite so good, I guess. Well, you're you're right, and and obviously the uh, you know the the final objective is always to to try to get a win. Uh, but I'll be I'll be a, totally honest. I left the Alamo Dome Friday night feeling much better about the foot this football team than the two previous games uh, at army and at home against Troy because of, you know, being able to get some offensive production and in particular being able to run the football. Uh, I mean, it looked like it, it, I mean, it really looked like almost invasion of the body snatchers because the, the running backs ran, ran great. Uh, middle rushed it for 191 yards where, you know, they had struggled uh, to reach, 50 or 60 yards in, in each of the first two games, but a couple of turnovers, uh, you know, and also a, 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 a missed extra point uh, put middle in a, in a tough spot in the, in the late in the game, because the way the scoring was going, uh, they, they, they were chasing that missed point mm -hmm. the rest of the night. You missed the kick, which meant the next time you, 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 you scored you were pretty much forced to try to go for two well you missed that and then late in the game when you you score again and have a chance to tie it and you had to go for two there with just over a minute to play so that 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 one that one single point uh makes a big difference so but you know all in all the you know again don't you don't like to lose but you put 563 yards uh, on the board uh, that, that showed some improvement, and I think uh, gives some, you know, you know, some hope this week going into the homecoming game against Western Kentucky. You know, and when when you said that about your running backs, it's almost like you want to shake them and say, "Who are you, and, and where are? Our, what did you do with our running backs?" But um, yeah. Chaton Mobley in particular, big game. He he really did, and uh, Chaton uh, played at Fulton High School in Knoxville. 
he had uh, he had 54 yards on 13 carries which is four yards a, a carry but he did have two touchdowns and he ran uh with a purpose and uh, which was was good jay mcdonald had a big had had the he had a huge run of 64 yards that got middle out of a hole inside their own five yard line uh and he you know ended the night with 64 and Asher O'Hara uh, still uh, he still on 20 he carried the ball 21 times himself and netted out 61 uh and and had some losses in there with with a couple of sacks but but uh, you know it, it being able to have a conventional running game did allow you know for uh UTSA to have to respect the running game and not be able to completely just tee off on Asher and he came back and had his biggest night ever throwing the football he had he was uh, 31 of 47 for 372 yards uh he he had uh he did have a couple of interceptions but had three touchdowns on the night chip from an offensive philosophy standpoint you just said asher was 31 of 47 does does rick want to throw it 47 times well you know i think i think they're okay with that uh in 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 out of tony franklin's offense you know he on on our pregame show on friday night uh he took a lot of the blame tony did uh, regarding what they had been doing offensively and lack of production because he had based a lot of what they what they had gone into the season with uh on trying uh, well having those two transfer running backs one from west virginia and one from florida state who both chose to opt out mm. and you were kind of there all of a sudden then left holding the bag and they did go back to some things that were uh you know that we have seen before out of when his offense had been very successful mm-hmm. more more things you know more of, of the vertical pass game going downfield hitting hitting guys, you know, in, in the seam, that kind of thing, much more vertical than it had been, which had been a lot of, you know, trying to go left to right, spread things out and, and try to, you know, make a play. But, you know, they gave they were able to give Asher some time and, and you know, he was able to, to make plays. I, I don't think they have any problem with the number uh, of, of throws. Uh, the, the thing that the other part of it that, that they I think were really happy about is that they had they played a lot faster and uh and and had 89 snaps in the game the the Troy game they had about 60 snaps Mm. so here you have almost 50 percent more snaps and opportunities to do things with the football and I think you know a lot of the production uh you know came as a result of of playing faster and and it kept it kept people you know on edge and and then part of that also kept utsa's defense a little bit on their heels and also uh you know kept them from substituting as much and when you when you put it in that perspective um you ran 89 offensive plays 47 of them were passes so that's particularly for a tony franklin offense that's pretty balanced well it is and and, you know and and and, and, you know and, and the sometimes i think his offense gets uh i think people think about oh tony franklin well it's just air raid throw it everywhere but you look at when when middle has been at its best offensively why under him has been when 
you had uh, a, a Benny Cunningham as a running back, or you know you had a Dwight Dasher, or you had uh, you know you had a, a Brent Stockstill who who was really in command of the offense, or even an Asher O'Hara who rushed for a thousand yards last year, uh, you know as, as a quarterback, and uh, and 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 when you talk to him, he really wants balance uh, in the offense and uh, and and. While it, it it is thought of as a passing offense, and it is, and it's a, it, but but it's it's at its best when there's when there's a good running game to complement it. Speaking with Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders and um, Columbia native, Columbia Central graduate. Chip, you mentioned air raid, and I couldn't let it go by without asking <laughs> um, your thoughts on um, Mike Leach's Southeastern Conference debut this weekend over at Death Valley. <laughs> Wow, I mean, it was it was something to watch. And uh, Costello, you talk about a guy who looked comfortable and and in control. Uh, uh, you know, they they just he was on point. It's in particular in the fourth quarter when he had to be, and they kind of pulled away from from LSU at that point. You know, can you consistently? you know, win in the Southeastern Conference when you rush for eight yards? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, if you're throwing for 623, though. <laughs> that does. I mean, it does balance out there. But, you know, this they they're, everybody in the league now uh, has a game uh, with Mississippi State's offense on film. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to have a chance to break it down. You know, I, I was pretty impressed with how Vanderbilt's defense played at, at uh, Texas A&M. Now LSU comes to Nashville this weekend, and I, you know Derek Mason's pretty good on the defensive side of the football, and and I think they'll have a plan. I would, I would, you know, I, I, I would certainly think LSU will, you know, would be the favorite in that football game. But I think Vandy opened some eyes with the way they played. Uh, at A&M and, and and I think they'll have a plan for for the air raid but we'll see how it works and you know interestingly enough you know Costello is a is a transfer from Stanford which is exactly where Derek Mason came from you know I um I don't know that defense has necessarily been the issue at any point during yeah. Mason's tenure it's it's their ability or lack of to put points on the board, and and that seventeen twelve loss at A and M, it debuting a freshman quarterback, I guess, kind of um spoke to that to some degree. Well, it does, and I think you know, you know, in in this day and age of how offenses can put points on the board, uh, you know, it, it really, if, if you're if you struggle, and, and we saw that obviously in our first two games, you score fourteen points in in eight quarters, and then you come back and you score. 35 in the next four quarters i mean it really leaves your defense in a position to where if if you can't score more than 12 or 14 a game you really cannot put your defense in a bad spot and it gives them very little room that's almost a uh, weekly that is a a time-honored tradition here on (laughs) monday morning and and I guess it's what is it a quota maybe right about ten fifteen. It's it? about the right time. I, I I'm not sure what. Uh, there we go. Yeah, oh, happens. Hey, every, welcome. It's to a time that. honored tradition, Chip. Yeah, that's right. But hey, <laughs> we, we waited fifteen minutes today, so that's, that's a good thing. But How? yeah, I mean, and that, that was the bottom of the line. That was the, that was my you know the comment. Just you 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 got to be able to score some points and and take some pressure off your defense. 
I had a real quick question, Chip. Well, um, how how far up are you at the Alamo Dome when you are calling a game there? Uh, the Alamo Dome is probably if you go to my Facebook page, you can see it was, I put a picture up there of of our view. Uh, you're very low. It's it's like uh, it's it's about the angle that you have from the press box at Nissan Stadium. Uh, you're, you're not in the top of the building. You're, you, you have, it is an absolutely perfect angle. And the way that that building is built, you feel like you're right on top of the, it's the best view of any place we play. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And, and it was, it's always fun to call a game there because you do feel like you're really engaged and you're right in the middle of it. Chip, is it comparable to the Georgia dome that no longer exists? Well, no, no, it's it's a it's a much better angle than really? the Georgia Dome. Okay. I called a game, yeah, because it it well the the when we I don't know whether they redid it later, but uh, we did a game there when Middle played Georgia Southern once, uh, and we were way upstairs. Okay. We were way high. Uh, this is you know at, at the Alamo Dome. It's a, it's you're in between, you're in between levels kind right. of. Uh, so you you have a much lower angle at it and. And and that 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 to me I, I I like that I like being up but I don't like being so far away that you feel disengaged. The uh, the Superdome uh, when we went to the New Orleans Bowl uh, the the second time they had reconfigured uh, how some things there added more suites and then they moved the press box up and it was literally hanging <laughs> off the roof and and it was I mean. Yep, yep. <laughs> Football at the Alamo Dome is a lot of fun to watch. By the way, I I went to an arena football game there because that's what I you know do. I travel the country to watch arena football, um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to watch. So they did arena football and conventional football in the same facility. Let me just tell you, arena football in the Alamo Dome is unique in itself because you get what's so what's crazy about it is obviously you know the field is much smaller it's not as wide so they have chairs on the outside around the the field and really unique situation but the alamo dome is a great place to watch a football game whether conventional or not so we have yeah and 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 they've you know and they've had they've had the uh you know the final four has been there a Mm -hmm, couple of mm -hmm. times uh it, it it's a i mean it is it it doesn't you walk in there and it does not feel nearly as cavernous as the Georgia Dome did or the Superdome does. I mean, it's a it's a much more intimate feeling uh, in that building to uh, you know, when you, when you play a game there. Almost as important as the venue, Chip. Chris and I were concerned as to whether or not you made it to Riverwalk. Oh yeah, we did. We- we stayed. Uh, we we stayed right downtown. Matter of fact, because of how quickly that game came about, uh, you know, really in, in a matter of six days, Middle went from not having a game to playing that game. Fortunately, uh, the operations people were able to plug into everything, most everything that Memphis had already done in preparation for playing that game. Memphis was supposed to be the opponent mm-hmm. last Friday night and they had a COVID issue and, and couldn't play. So middle, we, we moved, they, we moved right into their hotel, which was right there 
on uh, right right there on the Riverwalk. Um, they asked us to, you know, not to you know, not to go out a whole lot to kind of stay mm-hmm. in the hotel because we're we're with the team. Um, but we 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 did go out and walk some uh, on Friday morning. Uh, went down by went down to the Alamo and then jumped on the Riverwalk and I don't know what maybe a mile or so and then uh, in total. But but yeah, we were we were we were right downtown and and uh, you know great hotel and and uh, you know we, fortunately I mean our flight uh, we Memphis and Middle both use the same airline for charters and all that so everything kind of plugged in uh pretty you know pretty easily so i guess road trips are a little different these days huh they are yeah i mean uh you I mean from the minute you you arrive uh at the airport i mean you're, you're wearing a mask and you're on the plane uh and and you're i mean you wear a mask the whole flight and then you really don't take it off until you get into your room and uh and then anytime you come out, you've got it on. And, uh, I mean, and then you're getting checked, you know, when you're going into the building, you're getting your, you're getting your temperature checked. Um, you know, all that we, you know, we had to be tested like the players prior to getting on the plane with them. So we got tested on Wednesday of last week. We'll, we'll actually get tested. The radio crew will actually get, we'll get tested again Thursday uh, prior to the home game because we do have some interactions with players and coaches and that's part of it who's your backup uh well i've got several options uh but uh but obviously you know the old for a home game dick palmer is an obviously a, a, a possibility and also and dick did the did football at middle for 26 years and still on our pregame crew and and all that but jeff him also is is a backup for me so uh who does the sounds games and um and then there's also the just like what joe fisher and norman and and uh and kevin did this past weekend they did a they did a remote broadcast from their own press box in nashville of the game that was at texas a&m and 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 learfield img college has you know they they helped set all that up in, in case that is an issue and needs to be done so you know, hopefully we're able to, you know, be on site for everything. And but uh, we have we have plans uh, in case we don't. Let's hope we don't need them. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Chip Walters, voice of the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. Chip, thanks so much for joining us. We'll let you get to Rick's press conference. I know it's coming up here shortly. I appreciate it. And uh, and again, homecoming this weekend, Western Kentucky, four o'clock on Saturday. Uh, there are, uh, I mean, it's limited attendance again, but they, I think they will have a few tickets online available for purchase and everything is mobile ticketing now on your device. And it's, uh, you can, you can check go raiders.com. They'll, they'll put that out there if, if tickets are available and you can make your purchases at go raiders.com slash tickets. What are the TV plans for that game, Chip? Uh, ESPN three. And see, I, I'm, I always get, I always get I always get ill at, at people. Radio guy, where is it at on TV? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Hey, with ESPN three though, do they do they do they have? Is it team broadcast or or do they have a TV crew as well? Uh, for ESPN three, it'll be uh, it'll be uh, Jake Rose uh, gotcha. will be doing it. So he, that, that's typically the home team production. So cool. and we're fortunate we have we've got a great television production truck and our 
ours ours looks very much like the network does i mean espn provides all the the graphics and everything so it will look just like a, a normal espn telecast awesome well we appreciate your time thanks so much for joining us here on monday and we'll talk to you next week all right thanks a lot guys appreciate thanks, it Chip. Mm-hmm. once again chip walters voice of the middle tennessee state blue raiders This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joint. When we come back, we're going to talk about Saturday's high school game between McHugh and Mount Pleasant. We'll run down the sports schedule and, of course, give away our team, player and scholar-athlete of the week as well. So plenty of stuff when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Monday morning here, 29 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint here on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. It is back to some high school football after visiting with Chip Walters and talking Middle Tennessee State football. But we had a lot of games on Friday, which means we have a lot to talk about today. So we're going to continue some high school sports coverage here and on saturday just mm-hmm. like it's it's odd it's odd because we we talked about all the games that happened on friday including a college game that happened on friday good, good <laughs> segmenting now we'll talk about the saturday game there we go McEwen on thursday afternoon right around noon ish ish yeah um we we get confirmation that McEwen would travel to Mount Pleasant, and they were to play on Saturday at 4 o'clock. At 4.10, the game was out of control. <laughs> that's pretty stark, but that's pretty accurate. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm on, like... I'm trying to make sure that we get all of the Twitter stuff. You know, every time there's a that Maurice tweets a scoring update, I'm I'm retweeting it. I couldn't keep up. I really couldn't. Try try sending the initial tweets. You're like, well, crap. Now I have to go back and do another one. Hey, yeah, it was it was tough. It was a, but it was tougher on Mount Pleasant. I think now to back up just a little bit. Mount Pleasant had been on a COVID pause. They mm-hmm. found out midweek prior to their Cornersville game that they would not be able to play that game on September 18th. Um, tried to reschedule that game, weren't able to. They were supposed to have played at Wayne County on Friday night. Their pause was going to end that Friday, so they couldn't play on Friday. They tried to push the Wayne County game to Saturday. Wayne County instead picked up Houston County on Friday. So, again, midday Thursday, McEwen, Mount Pleasant. 
McEwen comes in, um, had only played one game on the field because they had had dealt with some COVID issues as well. Um, they certainly did not look hmm. like they had had any time off. They they literally appeared to be in midseason form. And Mount Pleasant was missing at least 10 players due to um, remnants of COVID protocol, whether it be positive tests or, co- or contact tracing or whatever it was. But um, And when you're dealing with Class 1A, a lot of those people that yeah. you're missing, you're missing on both sides of the ball. Um, you have to think that guys like Dontavious Ellison and Ryan Gray and, and um, Jeffrey Williams would have made a difference in McEwen no scoring on each of their first five offensive possessions. Yeah, I, th- I think that is one of the most important factors of this score. You you have to take it as much with a grain of salt as possible. And to be honest, I mean, this is this is a team, Mount Pleasant, that has been struggling all year with some missing players. They, they they've had a lot of different issues. They've had you know they they were young coming in at mm-hmm. some skill positions in particular. The quarterback Tiberius Strayhorn, who did not play Saturday, is a first year starter. Um, got a a lot of new faces in a lot of key places, and so trying to um get that experience when you didn't have a preseason. It's yeah. It, so it's been it's been that perfect storm for Mount Pleasant, and and it really showed up. Storm, it, unfortunately. A, yeah, and and it showed up on Saturday. They were down thirty three nothing at the half. Um, had gained only twenty one offensive yards at the half. Came out in the second half. Put together a thirteen play, sixty five yard drive. Took nearly nine minutes off the clock. Eight forty six to be exact. And capped it with a score, you know, from um, from Keevan Cooper, Mr. Cooper. Man, that kid, <laughs> super super athlete. Uh, I am. Ex- I'm excited to see what the next three years is going to hold for him. Once once he figures out what he's doing, and not just that, but when you have a little more experience around him as well, mm-hmm. it's only going to be, to get better for Cooper and the Tigers. This week is not a week that you want to have a lot of your players out, and hopefully, we don't know, but hopefully Mount Pleasant will get many of those back, especially, like you said, Jeffrey Williams, Tavarius Strayhorn. They play Huntland this week, and that's, um, again, playing this week after being off to, you had to play. It didn't matter who it was. You had to be on the field to get the kids who could play some game action going into the final stretch of the as, season. Especially as young as they are. Again, Keevan Cooper, a freshman, had to grow up from this ball game. Mm-hmm. Finished with 78 rushing yards on 12 carries. Got some guys some work that needed it. Uh, talking to Bronson Bradley after the game, this could have been worse, guys, because they were talking to South Pittsburgh. That's Class A, number one, um, prohibitive State finalist, at least, South Pittsburgh. They had called trying to get a game, and the iron it, it, didn't, it didn't work out, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> I mean, when you're missing 12 players, yeah, you, uh, McEwen is bad enough, but 
and and this is a McEwen team that Mount Pleasant has seen in the playoffs. And were they to find a way to get into the playoffs this season, could it, cross paths again. They could cross paths again. So one, you get a little film on, you know, against what they do. So potentially helpful in yeah. the when, when because you have more film on them than they have on you because you're missing 12 of your best players. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, when you plug some starters into their positions instead of what you had out there in different. places, could make a difference. But um, final score, McEwen 39, Mount Pleasant 16. Again, they, they kind of righted themselves a little bit in the second half. Some of that was probably not against McEwen's front line guys, but at the same time, when you're winless coming in and and you've played in the first half the way they did, you have to feel pretty good about the way things went in the second half for the Tigers. I I think, you know, Mount Pleasant has to feel, like you said, they had to feel good with how they played in the second half, but they also have to feel good just to be back on the field. And I'm, I'm just going to say this because I think it's a little ridiculous. If you can play on Saturday at 4 o'clock, you can play on Friday at 7 o'clock. But that's neither here nor there. I understand that you have to have specific rules, but literally less than 24 hours later, you can play. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, take that as you will. Um, I, I get the, it. The, the remarks of this host do not necessarily reflect no, dot, dot, dot. Right. But, I mean, that, that's just – there are a lot of a lot of things that I understand – about the way you have and you have to set it up that way Mm -hmm. but i've always been and you know this i've always been a a 10 day guy you know i've always felt like 10 days is is long enough for us to know so you shouldn't have to miss two football games but hey anyway we're going to come back from a quick break when we come back we will tell you our end to win life team of the week our Covenant Technology Player of the Week, our Scholar Athlete of the Week, and we will tell you what games are coming up tonight in and around Southern Middle Tennessee. Plenty of options to get out and see high school athletics tonight in your community. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 40 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. It is time to go over some superlatives. That's a big word like mayonnaise. (laughs) 
my dad just just my, my dad just swelled up with pride because that's one of his favorite sayings. Mayonnaise. No, he, big words big like word. mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. He's probably going, that's my boy. I'm just glad your dad is listening. Well, at least he is. Yeah. I'm glad your dad's listening, too. I'm pretty sure he is. (laughs) It's a a second week, so he he may not be. Yeah, who knows. Let's talk about the End to Win Life Team of the Week, presented by Custom Stone Handlers. Our friend Ned Rich, speaking of Mount Pleasant football. Mm Mm-hmm. Great dude over there. Tell you how great that dude is. He um, he was down at the beach taking care of his condo after Hurricane oh, yeah. whoever. <laughs> he left at 5.45 Saturday morning to get back in time for, for that Mount Pleasant game. I'm not sure Bronson can handle game day without Ned's help. I'm just saying. He does he, he does a lot. He does a he lot. Does a lot. <laughs> The end to win life team of the week this week is the the one team that absolutely embodied team of the week as the entire defense played a great game, surrendering zero points on Friday night, and then, like we talked about earlier, scoring a punt return touchdown, an interception return touchdown, three rushing touchdowns en route to a 42 to nothing win. It's the Summit Spartans. You know, it's it's almost hard to find a time to give Summit the team of the week because we expect them to win every week. So if there was ever a time, this is the week to do it. They they definitely put together a team effort Friday in that 42 nothing win up at up at Northwest, like you said. Um five scores by different individuals. So they really spread it around. Yeah, absolutely. Well well done to the Summit Spartans. The Covenant Technology Players of the Week. Once again, we have co-players of the week. Players. Multiple. You can't do one without the other here because we need to talk about last week's Murray County Cross-Country Championships as 1554. Connor Henson runs sub-16 minute 5k to win the murray county championship so congratulations to connor henson there sub 16 sets a course record sets a meet record sets a columbia academy school record and it's a pr for the junior connor henson who has now won three straight murray county championships at the high school level and um is aiming for a state championship to go with that after two top 10 finishes as a freshman and a sophomore. Yeah, so well done to him. And, of course, the female on the other side, Annabelle Cothran, who finished in 21-36 to take the Murray County Championship over at Ring Farm last week. Those two together are the Covenant Technology Players of the Week for their efforts in the Murray County Championship cross-country race. Congratulations to those young athletes. And finally, our Scholar Athlete of the Week is presented to Sydney McClure. Sydney McClure is a Richland soccer player, and she is among the 
tops in her class as a scholar athlete. So, Richland soccer. Senior defender, Sydney McClure. Um, George Witt said they had several players who would be deserving of such recognition, but Sydney McClure would be at the top of that list. So, congratulations to Lady Raider senior defender, Sydney McClure. And speaking of Richland soccer defenders, they defended very well on Saturday in a 5-1 to one win in District 10A play over East Hickman. Big win for them as they just continue to roll. Yeah, they're 3-0-1, I think, in the district. The only blemish on that is a 2-2 draw with Kalioka. Which they avenged with a 3-0 win a couple of weeks later at home. Right, so there you go. That's... Um, it's our end to win life team of the week, Covenant Technology Player of the Week, and Scholar Athlete of the Week. And of course, like I said, Richland gets that five to one win in soccer, girls soccer on Saturday. Lots of high school sports to be seen tonight if you are out and about in southern middle Tennessee. Right now, there's some golf going on. Independence Girls, Summit Girls are at the Region 6 Large Class um, Tournament over at Greystone Country Club or Golf Club Course. Golf Club. Golf Club. Greystone Golf Club in Dixon. And then, of course, Columbia Academy's Iron Christian are in the District Tournament this morning over in Shubville at Riverbend. So, golf is happening now. And as a and there's a pretty fact, good chance they're getting wet. Well, And if they're not, they're probably going to because it looks like drizzle is called for for most of the afternoon mm. wonder if that's affecting the practice rounds in the state at, meet at willowbrook in manchester where the summertown boys and girls are that's preparing right. for their state tournament play on tuesday and wednesday yeah i'm curious if it's uh, affecting them at all could be but that's okay probably because they'd probably like to practice in it since there's a chance they're going to play, play in it. it. That's right. Yeah. You never know. So, golf going on right now tonight. Girls soccer. Columbia Central travels to Giles County. That's a 4.30 first touch. I'm learning soccer. Oh, look at you. I'm learning soccer terminology these days. First touch. That's On the pitch. Do you, do you know, you're going to laugh, the only reason <laughs> I know that the only reason I've even heard that is because I was listening to 1017 FM this weekend, and it was the University of Alabama, just their athletics update, and the guy said that on the air, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use that because <laughs> it'll make me sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We would know. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, oh, uh, I was trying. You to gotta get, warn me. <laughs> I was trying to get um, the Zion Instagram count up because they have the the times for their games on their Instagram, and we don't, and we don't have them on the schedule. Yeah, but they do play CPA. Christ Presbyterian travels to Zion and girls soccer today, and they will. 
at some point. They will at some point play a soccer match. And and that and we that there will be a first touch at some point. Yeah. <sighs> Who knows? All right. Um in volleyball, Columbia Central travels to Hickman County. That's at five o'clock. At five thirty, Loretto and Mount Pleasant will take the court. Giles County travels to Cullioca. That's at six. And then Summertown goes to Perry County at six PM as well. The District 3 2A tournament will take place at Battleground Academy this afternoon and at Franklin Road Academy. Yeah, the first games, um, these quarterfinal games are at higher seeds. Um, Zion Christian will play Webb Bellbuckle in a play-in game at BGA starting at 4.30 with the winner playing the host Lady Wildcats at 6.30. Uh, meanwhile, Columbia Academy travels to Franklin Road Academy for a five o'clock first serve. Sure, okay. sounds like a good one to me. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, those are the um, the matchups for the um, the District Three Division Two A tournament that starts today again at the higher seeds. Hang on just a second, and I'll tell you who else is playing in addition to those. Um, also. Grace Christian travels to Providence Christian over in Murfreesboro. Um, Christ Presbyterian Academy travels to Middle Tennessee Christian today in quarterfinal action. And the winners will play at the higher seeds on Tuesday with the championship and third place matches taking place on Thursday. So we'll try to keep you as up to date as we are able to on the progress of that tournament. Absolutely. Tons of high school athletics going on tonight. Make sure to get out and support your local teams in your community. Those kids absolutely deserve it. Again, um, Summertown boys and girls in the um, small class state champ, uh, state golf championships tomorrow starting at 8 o'clock at Willowbrook Golf Club in Manchester. And um, those tee times are up on the website at TSSAAsports.com if you want to see when Cole Campbell and the Campbell girls go off at Manchester. You can check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good week for the, the Eagles, I got a feeling. The Lady Eagles, two-time defending defending state champions, going for, we can't say three-peat, but going for three in a row. Three in a row. All right, it's eight minutes until the top of the hour here at WKOM 1017. We've got a few more minutes to talk, and I want to just quickly mention getting out of high school mode into a little bit of I'm a little scared put it this way <laughs> or, I mean the Atlanta Braves take the number two overall seed in the National League playoffs and probably get the worst draw possible for a three game series yeah it's 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 not I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, obviously, but just go out and do the best you can. But um, that Cincinnati Reds rotation 
with Trevor Bauer in game one, probably Sonny Gray in game two. Hey, I know who that guy is. Yeah, yeah. Local um, fella. Bandy boy. A Smyrna grad. Heck of a quarterback. I, I, they got his picture in the press box. I sit next to it the last three years when Indy played over there. I'm surprised it's not just in the press box. I'm sure it's every everywhere. Yeah. I know that I know his 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 numbers on the outfield fence too somewhere. Yeah, but um, you know, for everything that Atlanta has done this year, uh, that offense they say good pitching beats good hitting, and especially so in the postseason. And that's that being said, though, you go back and you look at this Braves team, the teams they've beat up on, have been against their better pitchers it's the the orioles that that <laughs> and the red Sox over the weekend it, it it felt like the the braves they they kind of play up to that that competition level and sometimes they play down to it it, it was almost like they checked out this weekend and they may have I mean, and they didn't play their, you know, didn't play their best players all the time. I mean, you know, it, it after you after you've already secured number two. Yeah, they they sure. had locked up the seat. They couldn't move, so you know why run somebody out there and run the like, risk of them getting hurt? Like Chris Martin. Like Chris Martin. <laughs> so, uh, and 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 you know, Acuna, at least Acuna's a late scratch for the wrist. wrist yeah. And and so, I don't know how you hit that fine line between resting people and keeping people sharp. I'm just glad Chris Martin went out in the last game of the regular season, not the first game of the postseason, because we've seen that story play out once. Stop it. So, I I, I mean, that's unfortunate for Chris and unfortunate for the Braves because he's been as good as anybody in the country coming out of the bullpen, 18 almost perfect innings. Yeah, and – you know, they, they announced during the game that it was groin discomfort, and hopefully that's all it was if if there is an all in front of groin discomfort. But hopefully it's something that can be managed because that bullpen, as, as shaky as the starting rotation has been, that bullpen has been nailed and it's had to be. Right. I, you've got here, – here's the good thing. Even if – if he goes out, you've still got Mentor, who can take that seventh inning role if necessary. You've got Jacob Webb. You've got Jacob Webb, who can take that seventh inning role. You've and then of course you've got Green in the eighth and Melanson in the ninth. If you know if you've got a lead going into the late innings. And and you know what's crazy about what you just said? You never mentioned Will Smith. The big offseason pickup and he can't keep the ball in the ballpark but you know i mean you would think that everything he's done over the course of his career he's 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 the guy that you you can turn to in the postseason and feel comfortable turning to you would think if i i think the big key is you get to bring him in clean i don't think you can bring him in in the middle of an inning mm-hmm. but and and hope that he can keep the ball in the ballpark but I, over this crazy 60-game season, the one thing we've seen is if the pitching can keep this team close, that's right. The offense, they're going to have a shot in the 7th, 8th, right. and ninth with this offense. Against any bullpen, especially the Reds. The Reds do not have the best bullpen. So here's the thing. We've got Freed Bauer on Wednesday. You've got, I guess they're going Anderson. I would think. 
against Sonny Gray. And then game three is Kyle Wright, most likely, mm-hmm. if necessary. If, if necessary. I like the way you think. Well, I mean, and Ian Anderson has pitched as well as anybody, mm-hmm. but the brave starting pitching is, to say the least, young. <laughs> very young and no very little postseason experience among any of them if i'm not sure did well, freed pitch at all last year in the postseason i don't think he did he may not have because so yeah. again it, this is a team that <sighs> yeah because i mean you had keichel you had faulty you had soroka he may yeah, not then have pitched keichel last again year. and then faulty again so, so he didn't start. He didn't start. I don't think he pitched. That just goes to show, you know, the the youth of this team on the on the rubber. It is what it is. I liked there. I will say this though. Speaking of Kyle Wright, someone posted on Twitter, and you you may have seen my retweet of it. And you know, Kyle Wright's been struggling for the last three years, and Josh Tomlin's like, "Hey man, just stand on the other side <laughs> of the rubber." Next thing you know, he's. It, it, He's as so good young. as anybody. Yeah. So yeah, there you I go. Mean, which means Josh Tomlin may have a future as, as a pitching, pitching coach. coach when he gets done. That's right. So again, Atlanta Braves playoffs this week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the first time the Braves have not faced the Cardinals or the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs since like uh, 2004 or something. This has been a long time, and the Reds and Braves haven't played since '94. And hopefully, They're you can 94. get a little time off from work. Maybe just take a long lunch because first pitch is like 11:05. Oh, is that what that's called? First pitch. You don't get to have all the fun with the the new new the, phrases. The new phrases. I yeah. like it. I like it. Anyway, again, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Tomorrow, we have Charles Pulliam from the Williamson Herald, as well as we have a second-hour guest. I don't remember who it is. Oh, we have Ryan Callahan, Spring Hill graduate Ryan Callahan, who covers the University of Tennessee for 24-7 sports, coming in to talk about the opening weekend of Southeastern Conference football. That's right. So, keeping it local hyper-local right here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, and that's what you're going to get as much as possible. Thank you guys for joining us here. We will see you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bright and early. Right here, WKOM 1017 FM. Have a great day.